Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. Inside the Gamecocks podcast, Tuesday, March the 2nd. Hope all you are doing well out there in Gamecock land. I'm assuming you are. If you're a Carolina baseball fan, you're probably pretty happy uh, given the results of the past weekend. Uh, I, I think the entire fan base needed that. Of course, the Gamecocks with two thrilling wins over Clemson. Game one got postponed until May 11th. Uh, that was set for Doug Kingsmore Stadium in Clemson uh, at Floor Field in Greenville. Uh, an 11-inning walk-off. Uh, and then in Columbia, uh, same deal, <laughs> uh, except not in 11 innings. It was in the, uh, it was in the uh, bottom of the ninth. Um, so Andrew Aster uh, got it done twice, and certainly uh, everybody's happy about Andrew Easter and his clutch performance. Uh, but also, uh, I'll say this too, uh, you know, Wes Clark continues to knock the cover off the ball. And uh, that's kind of what you want, you know. Uh, I think you want your older veteran players to, to be able to, to get up there and perform in clutch situations. And, you know, time and time again, Clark did. And then, uh, you know, he's got eight home runs uh, so far this year. And then, of course, Easter in the two clutch situations, the senior from Ocala, Florida. Uh, congratulations to him and to the Gamecocks, who are 6-0 and uh, this season. Uh, I think that uh, – Anytime, you know, in the baseball series, which is very important, very important, excuse me, for um, Carolina baseball, you can get a win in it. It's big. I've said many times, I honestly don't think South Carolina has much to prove in this series, considering what's happened in the last 20 years when, you know, the seasons have been on the line. I don't think South Carolina's lost a single game uh, to the Tigers. So, you know, you, you may drop a series during a season here, there, or, or whenever, uh, and that's fine because, you know, ultimately, uh, like I said, I don't know that the Gamecocks in this series have anything to prove until, you know, everything's on the line and, and Clemson comes up with a, a win. I mean, they haven't won a single game. It's not like they've been eliminated or, you know, ha- had a chance or taken it to that last game in the Supers or, or the Regionals a couple of years ago and, you know, and you don't know. I mean, in fairness, there's been a couple of times where they were going to play each other, I think, in the next round, and either Clemson or Carolina got upset. I think Clemson got upset by Oklahoma State a few years back. Otherwise, maybe the Tigers would have gotten some vengeance and advanced to Omaha. But, uh, you know, I'll, and I'll say this, too, about Clemson's baseball team. They, they are almost the opposite of when Jack Leggett was there under Monty Lee. It, it, it's a deal where – uh, and I don't know what happens to them in the postseason. I don't really follow Clemson baseball as, as closely as, you know, maybe Clemson in football or whatever. Um, but but that's a tough, gritty team. Uh, and it's a young team. And, and those guys, you know, give them credit. They showed up against a team that's probably better than them uh, and, and took Carolina to the wire. But the, that's in, in baseball, you got to find a way to win. Uh, that's the bottom line. And uh, the Gamecocks did that. And I think that's something that may have – may have not been happening enough uh, around the Carolina baseball program the last few years. I, I think that that's, you know, that's a staple of, of the, the good old days. But when, you know, you, you never thought the Gamecocks were out of it. Uh, and, of course, on Sunday's game, you know, it goes 3-1 Clemson. It goes 5-3 Gamecocks. 
it goes seven, five Clemson. And then the Gamecocks tie it and then win it at the end. You know, that that's old school Carolina baseball. And I say old school, it's, it's really, you know, eight years ago or whatever, but, uh, it seemed like a long time. And, and for you guys out there, the fans that have been through a lot of crap, um, you know, this was a good weekend. Even uh, I think the women's basketball team lost to AM, but I think the, you know, the men's basketball team uh, got up off the mat and beat Georgia. I think what's that? That's their shoot. It may be their 12th, 11th, 12th straight win over the Bulldogs in basketball. So um, uh, that's, that's, you know, Georgia is a border rival. I think uh, I think you always want to want to beat them, and and so you know it was uh, actually it, 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 that was Saturday, the tenth straight time uh, the Gamecocks have beaten the University of Georgia Bulldogs in men's basketball. So you know, I kind of wish they could go back in time to 2015, 2016 when those three losses to the Dogs and all of them were close, kind of knocked them out of the tournament, especially the one in Nashville. Uh, so I'd, I'd probably trade one of these for one of those. Uh, but honestly, you know, look, congratulations to those kids. That that showed they haven't really mailed it in and quit like we were talking about. Um, and we'll see what happens. Uh, coming up against Arkansas, who is a ranked team and pretty good this year, uh, this week. I know the Gamecocks uh, had a big win out in Fayetteville last year, uh, went wire to wire uh, and beat a pretty good Arkansas team. But uh, this year – uh, you know, obviously the Gamecocks are still struggling and Arkansas is uh, still a pretty good team. But anyway, good weekend uh, for South Carolina uh, as far as, um, you know, football. I mean, sorry, baseball, and basketball go, especially the men's side, uh, you know. And, and I know that that women's game hurt. Uh, and so we'll see, uh, you know, we'll see what uh, what becomes of them as they start their tournament in Greenville. Uh, and we'll see kind of what happens. Uh, down the road with Dawn Staley and her team. They haven't been playing as well as maybe uh, maybe we thought. But, look, I'll say this. It, you know, they're going to position themselves. If they win the tournament, they'll probably still get a one seed, I would think. Uh, basketball is not an undefeated sport. Uh, you know, I, I think people – a lot of people sort of kind of freak out a little bit whenever they lose a game. Um, and, and that's not good. Obviously, they're not playing – as dominantly as they were last year, because this is a different team. You know, my friend Keith Alsep uh, has a lot to say uh, about that uh, on the uh, bigspur.com. He'll have an article out later uh, this afternoon, kind of breaking everything down. Um, and, and, you know, you, you kind of look at it and it's like, uh, well, um, you know, obviously they're not that, you know, not as good as last year, but, but I'll say this, I've, you know, and I know more about the men's side than the women's side, admittedly. So maybe this is not applicable. But I always think back to when you have teams that have a lot of players back and the expectation is they're going to go roll. Um, you know, sometimes they do. And I'll use UNLV uh, in 1991 as this example. Uh, the Rebels played Duke in the finals uh, out in Denver. I remember Georgia Tech went to the final four that year, and I think Arkansas did too. Uh, McNichols Sports Arena in Denver, that's back before the final four went directly to domes uh, at all times. Uh, and I remember UNLV rolled 103-73 in the finals. And that that's back before everybody went pro. Um, you know, and, and so it, 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 they had everybody back. You know, everybody came back for, for the Rebels the next year. They were dominant. 
Got to that semifinal, though, undefeated. Duke beat him in one of the biggest upsets in the history of the NCAA tournament. So I've seen it that way. I've also seen it to where teams like like Arkansas, after they won it, I believe, in 94, you know, they sort of middled around. I think they were a fifth or sixth seed. You know, they had everybody back off a team that won it the year before. And then they got to the NCAA tournament and turned it on. And had it not been for a red hot, I think, the Ed O'Bannon UCLA team up in Seattle, they would have won a second straight. Um, so sometimes, you know, and I'm, I'm not saying that the team's bored or, or anything like that. I'm just saying that, you know, South Carolina, don't count them out for making a run to the final four. You know, UConn's been very good this year. There have been other teams that have been very good. It's not going to be a cakewalk, obviously. But um, uh, I, I do think sometimes losing a game or two is, is good in sports uh, when you're chasing a championship. I mean, I, I'll go back and – those of you that you know, y'all aren't going to like me saying this, but I'll go with Clemson in 2016 in football. How, how much did that loss to Pittsburgh get their attention? Because if you remember, that was a team that only beat Troy by six. You know, they had some struggles they had to kind of get through. Um, lost to Pitt at home, and then boom, they turned it on, uh, including unfortunately a, a big win over the Gamecocks. So uh, by you know a non-competitive score. So I, I think that. You know, when you look at it, uh, you know, we, we don't need to kind of count out Don Staley's team just yet. They have the, some exciting players, obviously, uh, some of the best players. And, and you can always adjust. And, and tournament basketball is different. You know, it's, it's different. So, anyway, congrats to the baseball team, Sweep City. They play Winthrop tonight. Unfortunately, there's no media coverage. There's no media allowed in the ballpark at Winthrop for some reason. Um, I guess because, I mean, that's because of COVID-19 restrictions. But, man, according to John Whittle on the site today, and by the way, thanks to him for joining me last week to talk a little baseball, uh, they weren't even going to let the Carolina SID in at uh, at Winthrop. So I I don't know what's going on up there on that campus, but, uh, you know, or or if it's York County or, you know, what the deal is. But, um, you know, obviously, I guess if it's in the name of safety, it's in the name of safety. So there's no live stream either from Winthrop. Um, and so the basketball game is on 107.5 for those of you in Columbia. So you get 13.20 a.m. or uh, in Columbia, or you can go on the live stats. And uh, I was actually away from the TV and computer this weekend. Uh, got on the live stats on GamecocksOnline.com on my phone. Uh, and, you know, sometimes live stats are quonky and quirky and blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, I – I, uh, I uh, I got on it and it was fine. Now, now I don't know that they're going to have live stats because Whittle said that was up in the air as well. Uh, so if they don't have live stats, uh, I think that you'll be able to follow the game on the big Uh I don't know if that will be VIP members only or not, uh, but we're going to have a guy uh, and our fans on the, on the big spur always talking the game thread, uh, hopefully consistently updating that score. Um, also, if you remember the bigspur.com, what I'm going to do is I'm going to, um, I'm going to maybe see if they can, you know, put a little more score updates on the Twitter account at the big spur two, four, seven, you know, cause obviously they're there after the win. I mean, if this were, if Carolina's sitting there at three and three, it's a Tuesday game, you know, and the basketball game team was that this is a huge basketball game, obviously, yeah, people are just going to look for the baseball score, but, but this team, this baseball team six and oh, uh, people are fired up about it, um, you know, and, and obviously basketball hasn't, you know, been 
super duper. Uh, maybe they could pull an upset tonight. Who knows? But, uh, you know, so, so anyway, I'm going to try to take care of you guys on that, pull some strings and uh, and see what can be done to update the baseball game tonight. Uh, but sweep city. Then, um, you know, baseball comes back around uh, for a home game this weekend. And uh, they play Mercer home series this weekend. They play Mercer. I'm I'm full of like misstatements right now. Home game, you know. And it's like, oh, well, what time's kickoff Saturday, JC? Goodness gracious. Um, but they play Mercer. Mercer's been a really good program over the years. Uh, they uh, had a good start of the season. Swept Jackson State, uh, but they've fallen on some hard times. Georgia Tech got them in a midweek game. Uh, and then Southern Illinois uh, took it to their pitching, 17-7, uh, I'll be honest, sometimes those directional Illinois schools <laughs> play pretty good baseball, especially Southern that's in the, the way nether regions of the state. Uh, but that, that was surprising. You know, they've been a consistent program, but they are three and four. They've lost four in a row. Uh, had a game tonight postponed that was at Florida State, and then they come – play the Gamecocks three games this weekend. So that's going to be, I believe, more of a challenge than their three and four record lets on. But uh, let's be honest, this is not some super-duper powerhouse coming in. Gamecocks can get the W tonight, and then you got to start thinking, well, you can get the W on uh, over the weekend, three of them. Um, And you look at it, and you're like, well, you know, you go to Citadel next Wednesday to Charleston. Which is never easy, but you can get a win there, and you can be eleven and zero going into uh, what I think is just a really neat situation, uh, going and playing three and in Austin, Texas, against Texas. Gamecocks haven't played Texas in baseball since two thousand two, the national championship game. Texas won that twelve six. I remember Texas got out to a big lead. They had Houston Street as a reliever. Uh, Gamecocks came back 8-6. I think they had a bases loaded, and Yaron Peters flied out deep to center at Rosenblatt. I'm, you know, look, that was 18 years ago. I have a good memory, but maybe not. Maybe I'm not remembering it that correctly. Uh, but a big challenge there. Uh, and then, then Davidson comes to town the next week. Then it gets real. Three in Nashville against the Vanderbilt Commodores, who were top five program, the top four teams in the rankings, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Vandy, and Arkansas right now i think carolina plays all of them so you know big challenges coming up for the baseball team that that's why it's important i think um even though you're not playing chopped liver with clemson and mercer and citadel and and and, you know teams like that uh you know i I think it's still important to get those w's because you 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 pad your record uh and then you get into the rough waters uh with the texas series and the sec I mean, you open with Florida and Vanderbilt. I mean, that's that's tough. Those are those have been sort of while Carolina's been sort of down, Florida and Vandy have been way up. So uh, and Mississippi State and some other schools. So we'll see about that. Football recruiting, um, some crystal ball picks coming in. Five-star quarterback Ty Simpson committed to Alabama over Clemson. And so that has kind of, you know, quarterback recruiting, as we all know, is a domino effect. Uh, and so that's sort of uh, that's sort of made the, uh, you know, Tanner Bailey, uh, the four-star quarterback from Gordo, Alabama, uh, kind of rise up with the Gamecocks. And, and South Carolina and Oregon 
uh, have been the three school, two schools recruiting him the hardest. Alabama was the third um, and our Mississippi state insider, Mississippi state. And I'll say this about Mississippi state. Uh, when you look at him play, he's the perfect quarterback for that system that, that they run out there. And, you know, of course, Carolina's going to be doing some stuff that's rooted in the air raid offense this year. Um, you know, because Shane Beamer came from where Lincoln Riley's at. Satterfield's got some background in that kind of thing, too. And so he's probably a good fit for the Gamecocks offense, too, although you can't definitively say that at the moment. Um, but our Mississippi State insider says Gamecocks, you know, and then Tony Morrell and Hale McGranahan and I have all said Gamecocks. So right now, that crystal ball is sitting on South Carolina. Uh, and this is a guy that, you know, you're going to look at. Um, you know, he's got some – measurements from 2019 he's grown a bit uh we're six foot 180 pounds uh ran a 5.1240 and a 5.00 shuttle but that was two years ago you watch him on film he's a guy that's also come back from some injuries uh and and you know he can run he can throw quick release uh looks like a guy that that i think has a real good chance i like his footwork uh, I like the way he throws it down the field. He throws a good deep post. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, is he as a prospect, would I rank him higher than Gunnar Stockton? No. Um, but, you know, I wouldn't rank very many high as high as Gunnar Stockton, <laughs> just to be honest. And, and I don't want people to get upset about that, but that's, uh, that's just how it goes. I mean, that's just recruiting and, uh, you know, Carolina had him in the boat and then lost him. So, I mean, they had some changes and, two and eight record and all that. And he's a Georgia guy and he's going to Georgia. So uh, very uh, interesting recruitment there, but uh, you know, can't do anything about it. So you still got to get a quarterback in this class. South Carolina really needs a quarterback in this class. And heck man, Tanner Bailey, you know, four-star kid out of Alabama, uh, you know, a guy that, uh, like I said, fits the system. I like, I, like I said, stands in the pocket and fires the ball. Um, really kind of an air raid type quarterback. Uh, so the Gamecocks are in good shape for him. And, and if they end up getting him, you know, credit Marcus Satterfield, because like, I know some of you have questions about Marcus Satterfield because he's kind of an unknown and you can bet that four-star quarterbacks uh, that are out there that have the offer list. He does have the same questions because like, like you said, you know, you can't point to, you know, well, we, we averaged, you know, this many yards a game passing. And, I mean, you, you don't have a lot of stats. You can go back to Temple, you know, uh, but that's not really what they're running. So so you have to kind of uh, – as much as we're all sitting here trying to kind of guess what the offense is going to look like exactly and what they're going to do, which I don't think is a bad thing, you know, you have to sell that to recruits. And, and so it means that your relationship building ability has to be that much stronger. Uh, and so if Marcus Satterfield gets this guy, I mean, you, you got to tip your hat to him because, like I said – you know, as much of a mystery as, you know, fans and guys like me are sitting there kind of wondering what the offense is going to be. And, you know, Marcus Satterfield's not a big name. Uh, you know, you guarantee you recruits think the same thing. You know, who, who is this guy? But he's done a good job of building a relationship. Uh, and that's good. And, and I don't think Marcus Satterfield's going to have a problem with that based on what I've heard. So good thing there. Good little uh, recruiting nugget. Uh, on the downside, five-star receiver Sam or athlete Sam McCall. Uh, and this is kind of trending this way for a while. Um, you know, I've got some good sources at Florida State 
they were not willing to really tell me uh, exactly how it was trending until it was done, and that's fine. Um, but he committed to Florida State, five-star guy out of Lakeland, Lake Gibson. Look, uh, number one, credit Florida State because Lakeland is a Gator stronghold. It's tough for guys, uh, Florida State, Miami, to go in there and get players. Um, so big pickup for FSU. And, 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 you know, I think a lot of Gamecock fans – you know, sort of aren't upset really when FSU gets a player because, number one, you never play them, and number two, they play Clemson and Florida, you know, two teams that you got to beat. And, you know, usually usually the last 10 years or so, you know, when Florida's been up, Florida State's been down and vice versa. So, you know, you kind of don't mind Florida State rising. They've been a dumpster fire, quite frankly. Uh, I do think Mike Norvell, when you look back at his history as a recruiter, uh, you know, everybody, you know, everybody liked what he did at Memphis, but everybody liked what Justin Fuente did at Memphis too. And I think we're seeing now that Justin Fuente is not, you know, what you call an ace recruiter, probably a great evaluator, uh, but not a great recruiter. Um, but Norvell, you know, before he got to Memphis, when he was at Arizona state under Todd Graham, he was their number one guy, you know, he's a, it's not surprising to me that he's getting players um, and, and especially now. So uh, I think that losing Sam McCall to FSU with no visit to Carolina, no way to get up, you know, I mean, look, come on, you know, I, I, I can't, I can't chalk that up as a big loss uh, for the Gamecocks, although it would have been great to have him and Carolina was right there. Uh, I just can't, I can't chalk that up as a huge, huge loss for the Gamecocks. Um, Hale McGranahan has been on the road talking to some in-state prospects uh, Gamecocks, speaking of quarterbacks for the class of 2023, uh, kid Carson Black from Nation Ford. Um, he was at Monroe Sun Valley. Now he's at Nation Ford up there. And I guess is, is that in Tiga K? Uh, it's up there, Fort Mill area, up right there on the border. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's one of those things. And um, it's, uh, it's going to be for the next couple of years, you know, 2023, 2024, uh, in-state focused at quarterback. Not saying that they're not going to go out of state or that these kids are going to stay in state or whatever, but there will be, you know, there are guys, there are in-state players uh, at quarterback coming down the pipe for the first time in a while, you know, first time in a while at quarterback. And that's, that's always good. But Carson Black, Got the offer from the Gamecocks. Gamecocks, Virginia Tech are the first two official offers for him. Tech offered the same day. Um, He's a guy that's, you know, if you follow the visits, has has been to North Carolina a few times, but he was a North Carolina kid. The Tar Heels obviously have some recruiting momentum. Uh, But, you know, that far down the road, you know, we'll see kind of what happens. Good little player, too. Uh, in my opinion, I think that uh, he's a guy that, that, you know, you can get excited about, especially in state, uh, because we all know, you know, you can get a defensive lineman in the state of South Carolina every year. You can probably find two or three D-backs, probably find a running back every couple of years. Uh, you're going to find receivers every single cycle, uh, maybe an old lineman or two, if you look hard enough, uh, maybe a linebacker, who knows. But quarterback, you know, you know this state doesn't put them out. Uh, every single year. Uh, and then you also have the kid from Catawba Ridge, Jaden Davis, 
in the class of 2024. Gamecocks offered a year ago. Confirmed that the other day. Um, lots of schools uh, are in on him. Gamecocks, Oregon, Alabama, Georgia. Uh, he's a player that, you know, obviously this early uh, ha- has done a lot of good things. I mean, he's probably going to keep growing too. But, I mean, you look at him throw the ball. I mean, this kid can can make it happen. Uh, don't see Clemson there yet, but I'm sure I'm sure if this kid's as good as people think he's going to be, the Tigers will be right around the corner. Uh, that's just uh, uh, they don't they're not going to sit there and just let a elite quarterback from their own state do whatever. But Gamecocks are in early, and, and I, you know because there's been so much talk about Alabama and Georgia offering the kid, I just wanted to make sure that in the Gamecocks. I was talking to a source the other day about it, and they're oh yeah, Carolina offered a long time ago. And Gamecocks are in communication with his coach, you know, as much as you can do for a 2024 kid. So, you know, you, you look up the, the the Rock Hill, Fort Mill area. Uh, that's always been good for the Gamecocks and sort of the future of football recruiting, uh, football recruiting, quarterback recruiting. See, I misspoke again. Um, is kind of up that way. Uh, on recruiting in general, I've been talking to some people inside, outside the program, I continue to believe that it's been, you know, much more impressive, um, you know, than, than maybe I even thought. You know, I think that – and everybody's kind of agreed with that. It's been sort of, you know, surprising, you know, especially with COVID and no visits and all that, how these guys have, you know, really gotten after it. And then I talk to people in the building. It is a, a fun, fun time right now with, with recruiting. Uh, Hale McGranahan was down kind of in the low, low country. Uh, I guess is Hilton Head Bluffton. Would that be considered the low country? I guess it would be. That's that's my granddaddy used to call it the end of the earth. (laughs) You know, he didn't he really like leaving South Carolina. He had to go down to Hilton Head for some work one time. He's like, I went down there to the end of the earth. Um, As I guess, you know, you go down 95 long enough. It does feel like the end of the earth. Um. So Hale had a nice interview with DJ Aiken, who right now is the top defensive line prospect in the state. You know, offers from Auburn, Florida State, Georgia, Georgia State, verbally. Who knows if they're committable? East Carolina and Kentucky have been recruiting the hardest. Uh, 6'5", 265, probably an upside guy. Uh, Probably an upside guy, DJ Aiken. Um, has been talking to Jimmy Lindsay a whole lot, the defensive line coach at Carolina. Uh, so I think uh, I think Carolina's probably in pretty good shape there if they pull a trigger on the offer, uh, and we'll see what happens there. And then, of course, you do have a stud linebacker um, down there in the Hilton Head area. Uh, Hale interviewed him the other day. Uh, I think that uh, certainly uh, he is a, uh, a great player. Uh, and you hear conflicting things. Yeah, you, you hear a lot of conflicting things uh, about him, Jalen Sneed, um, who's ranked the number 79 overall player in the country. He's from Hilton Head High School, Gamecocks, of course. All I got to tell you is Puna Ford and the same high school coach is there. Um, nothing against the high school coach. You know, it's just Sometimes with some of these guys, you, you know, when it comes to in-state recruiting, when you have a history of sending guys out of state and you tell reporters that the kid's probably going out of state uh, and that he needs to go out of state, and, and then you hear from, 
you know, other folks that maybe his family would like for him to stay in state, uh, you know, then there's some conflict. And the same thing happened with Puna Ford. So just, you know, I'm not bashing anybody here, but from a reporter standpoint, what are we supposed to think? I don't know which out-of-state school. If I had to guess, something just feels like Ohio State here. I don't know, Alabama, maybe. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, you know, A&M's, he's got offers from all over. But, uh, you know, I, I think the Gamecocks are doing the right thing with him, though. I think they're all after him. Uh, I think that they're, you know, Mike Peterson, Clayton White, Shane Beamer, they're all in on him. They're working it how they can. Uh, I'm not going to rule the Gamecocks out. I'll also say this. You know, there's sometimes there's kids from Columbia that – and I'm talking Richland, Lexington County, that, that honestly, you know, with their situation at home, they, they maybe need to get out of state. And then that's – or out of Columbia. And, and that's South Carolina, uh, you know, being in a metropolitan area. There, there's kids that go to LSU from Baton Rouge that probably need to get out of Baton Rouge. You know, whenever you're in a bigger area like that, you know, it's not like Georgia where Athens is kind of this oasis away from Atlanta or – you know, Alabama or Tuscaloosa and Auburn aren't in Birmingham or, you know, A&M College Station certainly isn't in Houston or any of those bigger places. You know, you, you do, you know, it's not often this a disadvantage because Carolina gets most of the guys from Columbia. And it used to be made, I mean, opposing recruiters would make such a, before Spurrier, opposing recruiters would make such a big deal out of it. And then they don't really anymore. Um so, so I, and I think in football and basketball, both there's been situations over the years where you look at it and you say, well, that guy probably needs to go get away from some influences or whatever. It doesn't happen all the time, but there are certain situations where you go, okay, Hilton Head is nowhere near Columbia. <laughs> I mean, look, man, I had a buddy that lived on Fripp Island, which is not Hilton Head, but it's, it's, you know, out past Buford and ask him how long it took him to drive to the daggum games back and forth. You know, I mean, it, it's nowhere close. You know, so, yeah, you need to get away from home. I, I don't – I mean, well, you know, USC Bluffton doesn't have a football team. You know, so I don't know that I buy that. But, anyway, we'll let the coaching staff handle it. I'll say this. Hale McGranahan's interview with Jalen Sneed the other day, uh, and that's who I'm talking about here, Jalen Sneed, was very good. And the feeling is the Gamecocks are in it. They're going to do a virtual visit. Um, you know, they're going to probably try to, to work as hard as they can uh, with his parents and his family and let the chips fall where they may. I'm not going to make any sort of positive prediction for the Gamecocks. I just don't feel good about it. Uh, uh, I felt good about Puna Ford uh, in the same way I feel good about Jalen Steed. We all saw what happened there. He got uh, sent to Austin, Texas. So, you know, you just kind of – Fool me once, you know, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. So that that's the thing there. But uh, Carolina's in it, you know. And Clemson hasn't offered this kid. Maybe they think it's a waste of time. Uh, but uh, the Gamecocks don't. And, look, Shane Beamer uh, down there working, um, that was his territory. Hilton Head, Buford, Bluffton, all the way up through Fort Dorchester. And, you know, Fort Dorchester was a battle uh, for a while, too. And uh, Somerville, those places, uh, when he was at Carolina. And he finally kind of turned the tide at Buford High School. Uh, getting Devin Taylor. Um, they got Dwayne Chisholm, and obviously that didn't work out. But Jimmy Legree, you know. Um, 
didn't really fight huge battles for either one of those guys, but those were great evaluations. And those guys ended up making a lot of plays for Carolina and Taylor went to the NFL. So certainly, um, you know, certainly in that area of the state, you know, Shane Beamer, Mike Peterson, Clayton White, you know, the Gamecocks are in good hands. So, you know, enough talking about uh, about all that, but we'll see. Carolina also offered, uh, and I think this is smart, folks. Uh, you know, I've covered recruiting a long time. I've followed players from the state of South Carolina for a long time. Uh, I think it's a it's a it's a state that's hard to recruit in the sense that you may take a guy that has no offers that ends up in the NFL, uh, or you may have a guy with thirty offers that can't play dead in the movie that goes elsewhere, and everybody's mad you miss on them and then they never play. Um, and I think since guys like myself and Ryan Barto uh, don't scour the state like we used to, um, and that's one thing I'm going to try to get Hale to do with the BigSpur.com this cycle is, is, is get out and see all the guys. Um, you know, when you don't have that and you don't have the – and then Clemson, the rise of Clemson, so you don't have – like whereas you had, you know, a national analyst like myself paying attention to the state because it's my home state, you had Gamecock affiliated folks paying attention to the Clemson affiliated folks. Clemson's recruiting is, is, you know, they, they kind of have the guys they're going to offer in state this year and, and then go from there and they go national. So uh, it's, it's a little bit different and there's not as I've noticed, there's not as much foot traffic in the state in terms of, of schools coming in. Now they'll get all over the Jordan Birches of the world and, uh, this kid, Jaden Lucas from Auburn, obviously has a lot of offers. Jalen Sneed obviously has a lot of offers. Um, Adam Randall from Myrtle Beach. Uh, but there are players that, you know, aren't going to have the sizzle nationally that are going to be in the, they're going to put up playing in the NFL. And I also think too, you know, South Carolina, you know, a lot of schools have got their best athletes at quarterback, you know, cause they run the off the, these dual threat offenses and, you know, or or else the guy is just a good high school quarterback, but he's a tremendous Division One type athlete. And, and the two guys they've offered, they offered DQ Smith from Spring Valley as a safety um, a while back. And I think you know, obviously, uh, and I said it on the on the podcast last week. Watch out for Tennessee because Brian Jean Mary, who used to be at Carolina a while back, uh, took the linebackers job at Tennessee and left Michigan. Michigan was his first offer as a safety. Uh, so I would expect Tennessee to kind of roll back around with him uh, at some point. Uh, and, and then the Gamecocks offered a uh, dual threat quarterback, Zan Dunham from Chester uh, high school. Chester has been good at the Gamecocks over the years. Chris White, CC Whitlock both come to mind. Um, and he's a guy that uh, you watch him. He's six two two fifteen, 215, uh, but he'll hit you. And he's got some defensive clips too. that are impressive. I don't know that he won't grow into a 6'2", 230-pound linebacker uh, or stay as a six foot two, 215-pound safety, but he's an absolute uh, great under-the-radar in-state offer uh, for the Gamecocks. Uh, versatility here. And, and, you know, watching Clayton White work so far in the recruiting trail, I do think that versatility uh, is a big thing he looks for, not just in – you know, guys, he's going to move from quarterback to wherever or projecting quarterbacks to defense. I, I look at some of the other guys he's offered, and I'm like, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. So uh, keep your eye on Zan Dunham, uh, the quarterback from Chester, South Carolina, who got a Gamecock offer this week. That's quite a recruiting report, right? 
Um, got a little team nugget that was in our VIP room on the big spur. Wanted to pass that along. There's a lot more team nuggets that we had. Uh, so go join. I think you can still join for a dollar right now. And uh, you get Paramount Plus coming up. Um, and that's that drops in two days. Uh, and, you know, it's just a good deal. You know, you can get the big spur for you and Paramount Plus for the family and everybody's happy. So go ahead and, and do that. But um, a lot of people ask me about R.J. Roderick because, you know, R.J. Roderick opted out uh, middle of the year. And so it's not, you know, it wasn't a situation like Wartray Smith and and uh, Ranricus Davis and um, Mark Fox, uh, where they just opted out at the beginning and then came back. Uh, this is a situation where when Mike Bobo took over, R.J. Roderick walked out the door and opted out. Uh, and his, you know, and so did Mukwamu, opted out to get ready for the draft. So did Horn at that time to get ready. Uh, and so, uh, you know, Roderick is one that kind of stuck with people because Roderick did not have a good year last year by any stretch. Um, coverage wasn't there, you know, some missed tackles. Uh, he just didn't make the jump that you expected him to from his freshman year, 2018 till now. Um, that does not mean he does not have raw talent, but that does not mean he's not capable. Uh, and the new staff, so he comes back, you know, his family decides to come back and, you know, he could have, easily transferred somewhere else uh he comes back and, and from what i'm told the new staff is really working with him and they feel like it's a confidence thing now i don't know yet if you know because this is a four two five defense that'll have a spur type position i don't know if the spur is going to be like the spur under ellis johnson whether that's a nickelback or whatever but i mean, just mentioned the versatility thing about clayton white earlier you know rj roderick's that type of guy now, unfortunately, there were games this year where Carolina was injured at linebacker where they just moved him up in the box with a week's work and expected him to go play linebacker, and that wasn't going to work either. Um, but I'm told from a couple of different sources that, you know, he's, he's, he's working exceptionally hard. Now, I'd never heard that he wasn't working hard, you know, before. Actually, I'd heard that he has. and He was really good in practice and all that. But they're working with him on his confidence. And uh, I've heard a couple of coaches have taken him under the under the under his wing, uh, and they really like him. Um, so I think that's some positive news, and it speaks to the bigger picture about you know sort of the the new environment they're trying to 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 build. And you know, look, I, I'm not going to sit here and blame Will Muschamp for. And you guys can do that all you want. That's fine. Uh, not just Will Muschamp, but you know, when you go two and eight, and you have guys opting out, and you have to go through an interim coach situation, and you know, things just aren't going well, and you're on, you're on the defensive side of the ball, which really stunk for most of the year, you know, you're going to have confidence issues. And it's going to be frustrating if you're any kind of competitor at all. And, and so, you know, I, I, I just think that, that the positive reinforcement, you know, the working with guys, you know, the getting their mental health right, <laughs> which is important these days, um, Probably realize more about that than we used to. I think that's important. Some good news uh, on R.J. Roderick. And on that note, you know, Luke Day and Derek Moore, I'm sure you've seen the articles and the video with Derek Moore and you've heard all about Luke Day. Uh, they're a big part of that, you know, big, big part of that. I haven't talked to a single person that doesn't think those guys have not made a difference 
uh, big time here during the offseason program and along with the position coaches and Shane Beamer and everybody else. It's just all about, you know, positivity. And everybody I talked to can't wait for spring ball. Um, you know, one more big thing that, that I was told uh, was that the, the coaching staff's been pleasantly surprised that there's talent on this team. You know, the, the, they don't look around. And, I mean, they all came from elsewhere, and some came from smaller situations, you know. Uh, but they all think, wow. I mean, they, they were, they've been, they didn't, they didn't realize coming in that they had the players that they do. And so they're confident and excited. And I think that's a big thing. All right. So that's it for today because I got to get out of here and record a JC and Morgan podcast. We have a special guest, another one coming up today. So be sure to check that. That'll drop later this afternoon. Uh, be sure to he- check the, uh, you know, do the, do the mailbag thing. Uh, and, and the, you know, the, the, no, the mailbag thing has been sort of my fault. Cause we, we haven't been doing it more than once a week lately. And we're going to get back to, you know, at least a couple of times a week, but um, you know, inside the game Cox at gmail.com uh, is the email. And then you can hit up at the big spur pod uh, and on Twitter and be sure to follow that. Also follow inside the game Cox on Instagram uh, for stuff there to put up some stuff there the other day all right this has been jc sherbert the inside the game guys podcast sweep city edition we'll call this one sweep city <laughs> uh with a lot of other info in it so uh hope you enjoyed it and we'll talk to you guys soon